listening to the Davenport Junior Theater Podcast. Well, hello. Welcome back to the Junior Theater Podcast. Today we have an incredibly special guest, and I will let them introduce themselves. Well, my, my name is Cal Warner. My full legal name is Clemens A. Warner, Jr. Uh, I'm a native of Davenport, born and raised here, went through the public school system, spent four years in college at a small school in Vermont called Middlebury College. Followed that with uh, three years in law school in Iowa City. Uh, followed that with a year clerking for uh, an Iowa Supreme Court justice. And then three months playing soldier to, to fulfill a military o- obligation uh, from ROTC in college. And then since January 1 of 74, I've been practicing law in, in Davenport. First for 25 years with my dad, then with two other lawyers. With their firm was Bittner, Lambert, and Werner. And since 20. 10, I've been a of counsel with Stanley, Landy, and Hunter. Uh, during that time frame, I also was president for 30 years of Walcott Trust and Savings Bank, a small bank in Walcott that are in which the Warner family had uh, a majority interest. So my first question for you is, what do you remember and what was junior theater like in the 1950s and 60s? Well, I remember uh, participating as a, an actor, uh, and I guess we all were kind of petrified at the time of, of acting. It was a very small operation in the sense that Mary Fleur Nice Wander and Bonnie, I believe her last name is Gunther, uh, really ran the show and did everything from you know sewing uniforms and creating costumes to directing, um, and so it was... Uh, and I can't, I, I honestly can't remember whether, how I became involved, whether I suspect it was something that my mom and dad said, this would be good for you to experience. Awesome. So what are some of your favorite memories that you have from being at junior theater? Well, I, I remember that I was playing a, a police officer. Uh, and subsequent to that, I, I don't remember a lot of my lines. I don't remember whether I arrested somebody, but I kind of felt like I, I remember reading, I think in college, this short story from this French author called G. de Maupassant. It's called um, The Clothes Make the Man. And it's a story of five bank robbers who, uh, three of whom went in and one of whom was outside as a guard dressed, directed as a, uh, dressed as a policeman. And he, when his cohorts came out of the, of the bank with all their loot, uh, he arrested them. So, you know, he had changed from being a, a, uh, he became a real policeman. So I thought, <laughs> gee, I don't remember that from junior theater, but it was just kind of a neat memory of, uh, how, how you, I guess part of the point is when you, act you you take on the persona of the person you're acting and whether it's the police uniform or whether it's uh the lines you have or the tone of voice or whatever that's all part of what you learn in junior theater yeah absolutely um so you've talked about mary a little bit um obviously she has been and was a huge influence to so many and just in general, I just want to ask, what do you remember about her and how do you carry her with you? Well, I remember her, uh, you know, as a, as a young lawyer, my dad was very, very involved with junior theater and with Mary. So we had a lot of interaction with her, uh, as, as I think I may have 
mentioned previously uh, that the during during the course of ten years, Junior Theater had thirteen different homes, and so Mary moved from year one in a basement in downtown Davenport somewhere to uh, an attic in East Moline or in Bettendorf or, or East Davenport. And during that time, you know, she was, any normal person would have just quit and said, I can't handle it anymore. But she was so strong, had such a strong persona. She was a very short lady, uh, but a commanding voice spoke very clearly and directly and forcefully and uh, had a passion, obviously, for, for junior theater that uh, ultimately resulted in, in having, finding a home at Annie Whitmire and having, how many years now of it, how, how many years back was that? Was that in the 70s that it happened, I think? Late 70s, early 80s, yeah. So it's been at Annie Whitmire for, you know, over 40 years then. Um, so one of the fun things about my position in AmeriCorps here is getting to, uh, basically dive through all of the history of junior theater. And we came across this, I, I believe it's a letterhead of, from the Broadway Theater League, and it doesn't have a date on it, but it is, it shows, uh, the officers and it shows you as the president and it shows Mary as the executive director. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the Broadway Theater League and what it was like being president. Well, when you're as old as I am, sometimes your memory fails. So, you know, I, I don't have any specific recollections of, uh, of board meetings. I, I have, uh, I, know, I know that it was a very small organization, that the board was very small consisted of some powerful people though in the community. And uh, I suspect that I must have been elected as chair in a meeting that I missed. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, uh, I, I know that it was, it was we, we knew that we were gonna succeed because we had Mary. Uh, and I can't remember, I, I, can, I can picture a couple of other uh, board members who were prominent in the community uh, who, you know, were there and really were being led by Mary and, and giving her financial support as well as, you know, uh, mental, mental support or encouragement. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, my next question would be, how did you first get involved with junior theater? I, I, I believe that was because of my mom and dad. And, you know, they were very strong. I had two sisters, one older and one younger. Uh, and all of us saw parents, our parents be involved in the community, giving back to the community, whether it's uh, being involved in a church program or whether it's being involved in an activity of one of the children at, at school, uh, encouraging all of us to take piano lessons. Uh, my sisters ended up being much better than I in that regard. Uh, my dad still played the piano, and I. One of the things I never asked him is where he learned that. But uh, as a single child growing up in Walcott, Iowa. Uh, but back to your question, I, I think what happened is that my folks said this is an activity that it's not an athletic activity like each of you were involved in swimming or golf or softball or 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 dance. Uh, it, it's something that's good for you, and that's how we, you know, we kind of in that era were were our parents, uh, we followed their direction very, very clearly, I guess, let's put it that way. <laughs> so how does what you learned at junior theater continue to impact you 
in what you do today? Well, I think it, it impacts uh, those of us who participated in uh, in a number of ways. You know, for one thing, we learned the importance of enunciation, uh, the importance of speaking clearly. Uh, we also understood and learned the importance of being part of a team. Uh, you were, uh, there may only have been two or three or five or six different actors in one of the plays, but you, you, you worked as a team. You didn't work independently. You waited for your moment to come. I think that's a lesson that uh, we all learned as uh, in, in that time frame. Uh, so I think, I think those are some of the lessons. Uh, I, in my case, uh, I'm very comfortable in today's world speaking in public. Uh, I, I kind of enjoy it. I prepare for it. Uh, I practice if I have a two or three or four minute presentation, I'll practice that when I'm driving home from my office to my home, which is a 20 minute commute. I'm sure other drivers are wondering what's that guy talking about, but I wasn't on a cell phone because we didn't have them at the time. But <laughs> so, but, but I think back to your question, uh, people learn to uh, think, uh, you, you learn to speak clearly, you learn to listen to other people. And those are all traits that uh, I think service well in, in today's world. Yeah, I definitely agree that those are all traits you could use in any profession, any profession, and you can attest to that. And I think you having been very successful in what you do is a really great example of the type of people that come out of junior theater. And I think that's awesome. Well, you're very kind. <laughs> so... So you helped support DJT in finding a permanent home in the 70s and early 80s. And I'm wondering what that process was like. In that time frame, I was just a, a new young lawyer in January of 74. And at that time, my dad was, was uh, really one of the driving forces behind junior theater. And that was in the effort when every year there was at least one different home for junior theater for over a 10 year period. And so I was exposed to, uh, and I think he got me involved just to sit in on some meetings. And uh, eventually I became involved in some of the fundraising and part of uh, helping him and helping Mary and the others at junior theater. Uh, so that's the, the effort was one where, uh, as I said, the, it, it was, persistence, uh, perseverance, uh, those were things that you learned because it was such a, you know, Mary would not let it fail. Like I said, we had, we would be in a garage in a building in downtown Davenport in, in 75 and 76, then we would be in a, somebody's uh, something in East Davenport and then a home up, up in central Davenport, whatever. Uh, you know, what I learned from that was don't quit. Uh, there are many different ways to get something done and, and be persistent. And that's really, those are lessons I learned from my dad, but also from Mary. Amazing. Oh, I wanted to ask. So did you uh, get to do the show wagon at all? I don't, I don't, I don't, I may have done that one summer. Uh, I think I did one summer. Uh, again, I don't, ha I don't have any clear recollection of that. Okay, no worries. I, I see a lot of show wagon stuff and I've just, I haven't really heard anyone um, talk about it yet on the podcast. So I was just a little curious. Um, you mentioned in, in your first kind of little um, 
bio to me in our email exchange that you're part of many nonprofits and community organizations. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Well, yes, I'd be happy to. Uh, again, if, if you're involved in the community uh, and if you're involved in one nonprofit and you and, and you show an interest in some skill set, it, it, the next thing you know, you're being pitched by several others to become part of, you know, part of an organization or part of a team. Uh, in my case, uh, the, the most recent involvements that I really have, um, I was the chair of the board of the German American Heritage Center for probably five or six years. And before that, I was very involved with fundraising with that organization. Uh, in the last six or eight years, I'm on, I'm on the board, currently the chair of the Have Life Foundation. Uh, the Have Life Foundation sponsors the Martini Shake Off, which was last night. Uh, 1,500 citizens uh, kind of it's become a winter tradition of decking it out in your finest clothes. Uh, the Have Life Foundation, it was created when a 14-year-old was killed in a uh, tragic water park accident in Davenport. Uh, his parents created the foundation and to, and to provide funding for uh, kids in the age bracket of 10 to 14 in the area of sports, arts, and music. And it's it has given back or funded more than a million dollars of grants in the last 10 years. And so it's really a wonderful uh, organization. And uh, the Martini Shakeoff and the golf outing are the two events that, that really fund it, allow it to distribute in the neighborhood of $100,000 a year in, in grants. Nahant Marsh is another organization that I'm with which I'm currently involved. Another gentleman and I were co-chairs of a $3.7 million capital fund drive, which we just successfully concluded at $4.2 million. Uh, again, raising money during the pandemic was, was not easy, but uh, again, a passionate board and a passionate executive director, kind of uh, uh, Brian Ritter is his name and is the executive director, and he's just absolutely fabulous and a great guy, so great leader. So those are, those are some, of the, some of the recent ones. Uh, I think that's enough for you to answer your question, or do you need some more? Yeah, that's actually amazing. If you have more you want to talk about, I would love to hear about it. Any past uh, nonprofits you've worked with, any other kind of community organizations and, and what those were all about? Well, I, I got involved in the chamber uh, and became chair of the, of the Chamber Beautification Committee. And one of our, at that time, the chamber was really driven by, by volunteer committees in which a chamber exec was was kind of uh, the overseer, overseer, and so in that particular case, we learned about something called uh, operate uh, operate keep America beautiful, and we went to Indianapolis and learned what it had done. And we 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 founded uh, Operation Clean Davenport, which was a joint venture between the city and the private sector to uh, reduce litter in our in our community, and it's still effective. And, everything from making presentations to police officers to, uh, and, and why would we do that? Well, we wanted them to encourage uh, them to, to find people who are emptying ashtrays out into the sidewalks and, or streets. And, and as an example, and, you know, they would say, well, we would, we would charge somebody with that. And then we'd have to keep the evidence of the cigarette butts. And then we'd have to go to court 
and the judge would only, you know, give them a $10 fine. So, you know, we learned that the legislation had to get changed. Uh, several of the police officers came up to me later and said, you know, uh, one thing that your presentation made was that I don't throw my cigarette butts anymore out onto the sidewalk. But that led to me becoming involved on the chamber board. I became the chamber president at quite a young age. Uh, and then I became involved with the predecessor of the community foundation, which was then called the Davenport Area Foundation. Uh, and I was involved in, in several, for several years with the Boy Scouts. Uh, I'm currently also involved on the Y board. Uh, I'm also involved with an organization called the Blue Devil Athletic Foundation, which uh, uh, has raised money to upgrade the athletic facilities at, at Central High School. So I've, I've had quite a long history, I guess, of being involved in the community. Uh, our walk at Bank, I was president for 30 years and you know, we were very, very involved in giving back to the Walker community, uh, including the school district for signage, for new computers for kids. Uh, so, and we raised a half, of, we raised a quarter of a million dollars to uh, bring a branch library to Walker, which was accomplished. Uh, so it's, uh, and that involved pitching the city, involved pitching the county. Uh, so fundraising pitches have been, something I've done for a long time. Uh, it's not easy to raise money. You, know, you have to, you know, it's part of it is having the right connection, the right person talking to the right person uh, and, and, you know, listening and, and getting, you know, having the help of consultants too that, uh, you know, can direct us and open doors for us. Wow. You see, I because I, my mouth is getting dry. So. <laughs> That's an incredible, you have such an incredible history of nonprofit and community work. That's, that's really something to look up to. You're, you're definitely someone I look up to because I'm, I really want to try to get into nonprofit work. And that's just, that's incredible to me. <laughs> yeah, I served. I didn't mention one of the interest, one of the fun times I had, I, I should say fun isn't the right word, but for six years, I was a member of the RDA, the Regional Development Board, which is the nonprofit that holds the casino license for Rhythm City. And again, mm -hmm. that was that was more the other side of the coin where we weren't raising money, we were giving money away. And so it was always, uh, you know, we would we would give as much as $2 million a year. It's actually more than that, but two to three million dollars a year in grants. And it uh, it was very uplifting for me to read about a lot of these the applications uh, even though as i mentioned i've been bo I'm born and raised here and knew thought i knew a fair amount about the community every cycle i would learn two or three of the applicants something about two or three applicants that i never even heard of so it was it was a neat experience to uh, and then we at that time when the awards were announced there was a, a public function and the recipients could come up and you know, say two or three minutes about what, you know, what, uh, what, what they did. I don't know if junior theater ever received any funding from the RDA. Uh, it probably would have been through uh, the city of Davenport, but that might be something that Dan should uh, look at because, uh, you know, the funding, the, the, the casino is doing very well and, and their funds there and, uh, you know, certainly, you know, do, improving, opening doors for kids uh, in, in this area and, and acting and public speaking and communication is, 
uh, would fit right up the mission of, of the community for RDA. Yeah, so, I mean, keeping going with that, why do you think people should support the performing arts and organizations like Junior Theater? Well, I think it's, there, there are a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, one of, one of the uh, challenges that we have in the Quad Cities is, is what I would call uh, quality of life. And what do I mean by that? The challenge of having uh, amenities here for parents, mothers, dads, husbands, wives, single people to come and, and live in the Quad Cities. And so especially if you have children, uh, junior theater is is a great opportunity to uh, give your children a chance to to broaden their horizons, to uh, stand on their own feet, as we said earlier, to be able to speak in public, to be part of a team of actors and actresses. So it, it it's a it, it's an amenity that not many communities have. They don't have the facilities that we have that junior theater has, and they don't have the caliber of leadership. I mean, Dan has just done a wonderful job. Um, and again, he has a lot of Mary's characteristics and, and, you know, you could just, if, if somebody would have just listened to the three of us talk before we got started here, you know, they would say, well, that's a, there's a guy that is, would be fun to work for. He might be a challenge, but he's a, you know, he's a go-getter. Uh, and, and so again, that, that was back to your question. Um, I, I think it's an, it's a opportunity to provide a positive experience for kids growing up. Uh, you know, the, the challenges that parents face with children with, um, uh, you know, drugs and, and alcohol and other items at young ages, it, it, this is a good counterbalance uh, to, you know, afford them an activity that's positive where they can make new friends that are, uh, you know, that they might not otherwise make or have. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. It has been so wonderful to get to speak with you and get to know you a little bit more and get to know you as a former junior theater member. And I hope that we can reconnect again in the future. And I hope that you always keep junior theater near and dear to your heart. Well, you're very kind. I appreciate that. <laughs> No, I'm happy, like I said, happy to uh, happy to be supportive. And, you know, I, I'm I, I need to do a better job of coming to hear some of the pre, some of the performances, too. So I, I'll, I'll try to work on that this year is one of my goals. Absolutely. We'd love to have you. It would be amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Miss Mel. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been the Junior Theatre Podcast. Thank you for listening.